When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. Hi, Peridi. Thanks so much for joining us on the How To Money podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. So before we jump in, I'd love to hear a bit about you and how you ended up working in the financial services industry. Yeah, so... I think like many people, I'd had a couple of touch points earlier on that made me interested in finance and money. Like I'd read, you know, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book and mm. I was studying uh, a commerce degree uh, as well. So I did a commerce law degree and towards the end of that degree, I think there were a couple of really pivotal experiences that I had. The first being I was working at the Cancer Council in their pro bono department really talking to people who were affected by cancer and as a result of cancer were struggling with their finances because cancer is quite expensive. And so that was a massive wake-up call to me because it was, you know, every day I was on the phones talking to Australians about their finances and how this, you know, really big event in their life had affected their finances. And it was really eye-opening to see how many people were really challenged by understanding what was going on with their finances and feeling like, I don't understand how I got here. I thought I did all the right things. So how come I'm in this position of vulnerability now? And that really alerted me to just how many people don't understand the basics around money and they wing it for a really long time until a crisis situation reveals their vulnerabilities. And so that was a really, I think, informative experience. And then I think a little bit later on in my career, I just started to see that again, but in a more natural setting. I started to see that in my friends, in my family, that pretty much no one really knew what they were doing, regardless of age, income, profession, 
whatever their background was, it just felt like most people were really confused and were kind of winging it and they were too scared to really admit that they didn't really Mm. know what they should be doing with their finances. (laughs) And I think that curiosity around why is that such a commonplace problem led me down that rabbit hole of researching, you know, what are the solutions out there? And in Australia, at least, financial advice is prohibitively expensive. Mm -hmm. So a very small percentage of Australians engage financial advisors. And part of the reason is cost. And so really that kind of just sparked this feeling that there must be a way to empower people with financial skills and capability that is not so expensive, that's more affordable, and that really focuses on an individual's ability to manage and make good decisions as opposed to relying on somebody else to do that for them. Mm, Absolutely. And I always think... um outsourcing all your financial decisions, it always means you don't make the mistakes and learn from them yourself. You're paying someone else to make those mistakes and learn the lessons. So it's always good to at least make some of the decisions yourself. Totally agree. And even if you're not the key decision maker, having that skill set means that you can have more participation in the decision making. So a lot of people come to us because They may already have a key decision maker around finances, be it their partner or a financial advisor, but they just want to understand enough to be able to have informed conversations and be part of the decision making Mm. so they don't feel blindsided by what's going on. Yeah, and they can common sense check the recommendations. Exactly. Yeah, and absolutely. And it's just after the Banking Royal Commission last year, it's getting even more expensive for financial advice, which is quite challenging. You've only got a small amount of money and you're trying to make a decision. It's whether you can actually afford it. Yeah. And on top of the affordability, I think, you know, trust is at an all-time low Mm. after the Royal Commission. And really, I think the more empowered you can be, the more you are going to feel that sense of control over the decisions that take place with your money. And you're going to feel equipped to identify red flags and to be able to identify, you know, is this a good decision or is this in my best interest? So I really do think that, you know, the stronger your capability is, the more comfortable you're going to be in those decision-making environments. Mm, Absolutely. And these experiences inspired you to start Skilled Smart, which is a pretty unique offering in the Australian market as a fitness boot camp for your finances. Yeah. So, I mean, Ultimately, the solution that I came up with, and it may have sounded naive at the time, but the way that I thought about it was, hey, if you can't afford a personal trainer, you should still be able to go to group fitness classes. And Mm. that group fitness model did not exist for personal finance. The effort was really to create a bit of a money school for adults, right? A place that you could come in, you could learn. And the only thing that you were really getting out of it was education. There's no product push. Mm. We don't get commissions off the back of anything that we talk about. So it's really designed to help you just make better informed decisions and create a space where you can feel comfortable opening up and talking about money and just a learning environment, essentially, which I think didn't really exist 
and people really felt that I'm either going to my family or my friends or I don't really know who to turn to. So that was the kind of thought process behind it. And, you know, we kind of started with the current course that we've got, which is a six-week boot camp that you're referring to, which kind of takes you from budgeting and investing to super and is kind of taught by financial advisors. So that you've got that learning from someone who you can trust is qualified and knows their stuff and then go away and execute as is appropriate for your circumstances. Mm, Because it's definitely something you have to learn because we don't get taught it in schools and it can take a long time to DIY Google it all yourself. So it is definitely pretty cool that you can actually just go to a boot camp for your personal finances now. Yeah, and I think what you said is really key in that what we see a lot is people get overwhelmed when they try to do it themselves because they start down one, you know, trajectory, but then they're going through all these rabbit holes, like they're trying to understand tax and then they come across a word they don't understand and they're like, oh, what does that mean? And they go down that rabbit hole. Mm. And so there's so many rabbit holes that you can go down that can be really overwhelming. And then the other thing is just, again, the trust factor of when you're self-educating, it becomes hard to know in you know, an environment where everyone's got a different opinion, who should I be listening to and what should I prioritize? And so I think like with any kind of, you know, education process, when you've got someone who's experienced and knowledgeable, they can just fast track that journey for you by providing you a bit of structure and guidance. So I think that's what a lot of people come to the boot camp for, just that accelerated learning environment and being able to stay on track and not go down all these rabbit holes so that they can actually get to some productive end outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't need to spend months and months trying to work out the ins and outs of buying their first home or something like that. And they can just get the actionable steps right here and now. Yeah, totally. Now, we first actually got in touch because you were running a pretty awesome challenge this year called, what was it, the Save 1K in 30 Days Challenge? Yeah, so it's the hashtag 1K 30 Days Challenge, basically to save or make uh, an extra $1,000 in 30 days. Yes, that was a really interesting way to actually start the year. And I know you mentioned that you actually took this challenge yourself last year. So what actually inspired you to do this last year and try to save $1,000 in 30 days? Yeah. So I think the trigger was actually, we had decided that it might be, my husband and I had decided it might be time for us to move house. You know, me being me, I thought moving house isn't hard enough. So let me add some some challenges to that. <laughs> yeah. But really it was just, I think, I just wanted to try it out for a bit of fun. And then we, we decided that we were going to move house and I saw it as an opportunity to really declutter, really. So I wanted to get rid of a lot of stuff and I was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, put it out there. And, you know, at the same time, if I'm going to go all this way, I might as well, you know, set a bit of a challenge for myself and make it fun. And mm. I think for me, a driver in terms of why I wanted to do that challenge at that time was I wanted to offset the cost of moving house. So, you know, there's yeah. your moving costs, your removalists and all of that. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could just completely offset that cost? And Mm. it was just a bit of fun for me at that point. And uh, it was just good timing. It aligned with, you know, a big change that we were already doing. But then when I started doing it, I had so many of my friends 
and family being like, oh, this is so cool. What are you doing? How are you doing it? Mm. And so it just started a lot of conversations. And so I really just wanted to package everything that I'd learned into an ebook and do a bit of a public challenge. And I know the new year tends to be a really great time for people because they're, you know, they're motivated and they've got their news resolutions. So we thought we'd kind of put that all together and, you know, launch it in January. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching everyone kind of partake in the challenge over the last month. Yeah, absolutely. And because so many of us do set financial uh, goals in our New Year's resolutions, but by the end of January, they've uh, been forgotten. Exactly. So I thought it would be perfect as a way of, you know, I think social accountability is something we don't talk a lot about in terms of just how motivating it is when Mm. you're doing things together with other people, when you have a community and it's not just you in isolation. And so part of the reason for doing the challenge so early in the year was just to help people keep on track with their goals a little bit longer than they might ordinarily do if they were just doing it on their own. So that environment of doing it with other people and seeing what other people are up to might inspire you to just stick it out a little bit longer. Yeah. And if you're not used to talking about finances with your friends and families, this doing that challenge can be a really easy way to start opening up the topic because it's pretty pretty safe to say, I'm just trying to save a thousand dollars in 30 days. I mean, that can't tread on too many toes. So it's a good sort of starting point. Yeah. And I think it's also a little bit more fun in the sense that I think a lot Mm. of the conversations around money can be quite heavy. They can, you know, be full of judgment or shame or embarrassment or confusion. And so, you know, the thousand dollars in 30 days is a little bit more, it's a little bit light. It's a little bit fun. You know, there's, you don't have to reveal why you're doing it or what you're saving for, but I think it can inspire some conversations that, are a little bit more lighthearted. And I think that's really important in the context of a topic that is usually quite hard to talk about. Mm, absolutely. And what were some of the steps that you took last year to save an extra $1,000 in 30 days during that moving period? Yeah. So I, my sales hustle was pretty hard. I think my husband got a little bit worried. I would sell pretty much anything that wasn't <laughs> nailed to the floor. So, you know, I I got a little bit carried away with that. And I think I made, I think the vast majority of my money came from that. So over $700 came from selling anything that we didn't use on Facebook Marketplace. I also saved a lot on rent, actually. So we found a place that was a fair bit cheaper, like 40 bucks a week cheaper Mm. than our current location, even though it was bigger. And, you know, I think the market kind of allowed us to find that place. And we actually negotiated down. So it was listed, I think $20 per week, more expensive than what we got it for. We hustled pretty hard on the negotiation front. And then um, a lot of it was, you know, trying to find the loose ends. I remember like finding like, you know, money under counters and, you know, just wherever I could find it, that ended up being a bit of a, uh, a bit of a Easter egg hunt as well. Yeah. I find one of the worst places to find money is um, going into your phone and Apple subscriptions and working out all these things that you forgot you subscribed to. Oh my goodness. It doesn't remind you. Subscriptions are a massive thing. And I think a big part of, you know, finding savings opportunities is actually tracking your money so you can see where it's going in the first place. And sometimes you find out like, oh my goodness, I've been 
paying for a subscription for years that I no longer use. So really having visibility into where your money is going is so key to finding opportunities to save in the first place. Yeah. And you opened up this challenge to everyone this year to participate in. So what were some of the cool ways you've seen participants this year save or earn extra money during the challenge? Yes, that was probably the most fun part for me, just watching, you know, the different <laughs> strategies that what you were created. Going. Yeah. And so we had some really cool stories. I think one of my favorites was the girl who came first in the challenge. She she was house sitting. So she'd kind of given up her regular accommodation and decided to house sit and effectively just saved a hundred percent on rent cost uh, just to look after someone's pets in their house while they were on holiday. And I think she's um, planning to try and uh, continue house sitting for as long as she can. That was huge because rent's such a big expense for most people. Mm. But, you know, we had people doing no spend days. We had people converting their flyby points into gift cards. Uh, I myself had expired gift cards that I, you know, went and tried to get an extension on (laughs) and packing lunches. We had people biking to work instead of taking public transport. Oh, we also had a, a girl hire out her car space. So she was like, I'm just going to park at work and then I'm going to rent out my car space mm. at home. So she made a, a pretty clean 200 bucks off that. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's just about the creativity and the hustle. And it does take a bit of work and a bit of effort, but it can result in some good cash. Yeah, it's almost a good idea to do it in January every year just to clear out old subscriptions, work out if there's any new apps that you can make a bit of cash on the side, like renting out your car space. Yeah. Um, I know you can rent out your garage now too. I was seeing an app that does, you can do that. There's Airbnb versions for everything now. I think there's an Airbnb version for your pool even. You can like start renting out your pool in the backyard. (laughs) So there's quite a lot out there on the sharing economy that you can monetize now. Yeah, and I know I was, I was interviewing a, a young guy in Sydney a few months ago who now has a platform called Gecko, and you can just rent out your items. So if you've got a whole speaker system and someone wants to have a party and they don't want to have to buy it, they can rent it off someone in their local community. So that it just there's so many cool ways now to just make a little bit of extra cash without actually having to do too much work. Yeah, and I think we live in a very lucky era of having the possibilities that the internet provides. And so Mm. I'm definitely a big advocate for finding those opportunities in your life that could just bring in, even if it's just an extra hundred bucks a week, that could be a really big difference for someone. So it's just all about the hustle and the creativity, I reckon. Mm. And I know some people that if they're saving particularly for a holiday at the end of the year, they'll start some sort of side hustle or making a bit of extra money and put that money straight into their holiday funds so they don't have to cut too much out of their everyday spending. And so one of the other things I wanted to ask you after running the Skilled Smart courses for the last year, what are the, some of the most actionable steps that you give to Australians to level up their financial skills? Yeah, so the first is start to track your spending right? So a lot of people, a lot of the anxiety comes purely from not knowing where all your money is going. And so whether it's a spreadsheet, whether it's an app, whether it's, you know, manually putting things down on paper, it's really about understanding where is your money going. So that's the first thing that we look at. 
Yep. Yep. So that's the first thing. And that in itself really takes away so much anxiety for people because they can finally see on paper, where's all my cash going? Where do I need to adjust? Where are the opportunities for me to save? And that is the process that I think most people resist and they don't want to do. Mm. So if you can really carve out a weekend, pour yourself a glass of wine, do whatever you need to do to really just take that time to undertake that process, you're going to get a lot of clarity on your financial position. So step number one is tracking your money. And then the other big thing that we really talk about is getting out of credit card debt. So if you've got credit card debt, I think a lot of people, they've got a little bit on their credit card, maybe under $5,000, and they're kind of just not prioritizing paying it off because they don't think it's that big a deal. Hmm. I think of credit card debt as the cancer of finances (laughs) in the sense that it is so toxic. And I think it becomes so normalized that we just don't realize how toxic it can be. But the interest rates on credit card debt are just so high Mm. that if you've got credit card debt, prioritizing getting rid of it can really just uh, free up a lot of cash for you in the long term. So the first thing that we say after, you know, tracking the spending and identifying those savings opportunities is really think about whether you can afford to put a little bit of extra money towards paying that down every single month. And then the next priority becomes, okay, well, do you have an emergency fund, right? So a lot of people kind of live on quite a low emergency fund. I think the stats show that a very scary number of Australians wouldn't be able to come up with $1,000 for an emergency. And mm-hmm. when you're that low on your savings and your emergency fund, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position and you're putting yourself in a position where the likelihood of needing to go back to credit cards becomes a lot higher. So building up that emergency fund buffer can be a really good way to ensure that once the credit card is paid off, it stays off and you don't need to go back into, you know, using or relying on on a credit card. So anywhere between, you know, three to six months worth of expenses would be ideal for, I think, a lot of people. It depends on your circumstances. Mm. But yeah, just chipping away. And I think that was another, you know, reason for doing the thousand day challenge is even if you can just build up chunks at a time and put them away for your emergency fund, it's going to give a huge peace of mind. So a lot of the things that we talk about in the early stages of the course is how can you set your finances up in a way that really creates peace of mind because there's so much stress around money. And that's something that we want to take out of the picture. That definitely sums up. I read this quote that you wrote online that was, when I think about money, I think about having options and choices. And I think that really sums up what you just said, because I think so often we think about money and it stresses us out. We think about the credit card debt we have. We think about the issues that we've had uh, growing up with money in our family. And we don't really think about it in terms of options and choices. And that's kind of a place we want to get to because it'll just take a lot of stress out of our life. 100%. And something we talk about in the course is, you know, the connection between money and your values. And a lot of people don't necessarily see that connection. But what we start to talk about is if you align your spending with the things that you value the most in life, you will literally be maximizing your value for money. 
right? That is the way to maximize value for money. Mm. But most people don't find when they do the exercise of tracking their spending that their spending aligns with their values. You know, we may say, I really value travel or I really value family. But then you find that you're spending all your money on clothing or all your money on food. And so your behavior is really saying something quite different to what you're saying you want your priorities and values to be. And the more alignment you can create between where you'd like to be or where you'd like to prioritize your values and your actual behavior, the happier you're going to be with the life that you're creating with your money. That's something that we talk a lot about in the course because ultimately money is a resource for you to create the life that you want. Uh, And in order to do that, you need to be aligning how you're spending with your priorities and your values. One really interesting activity I did a few years ago was I wrote down the 10 things that were most important to me in life. And I wrote down another list of the 10 things I spent the most money on. And it's very interesting to see how much they align at the time they didn't really align. Like I, it was quite interesting. And then I've over time tried to make sure the things I'm spending money on align closer with the things that are important to me. Yeah. And I think that's, Like, it's such an interesting analysis to do. Like, I'm a little bit of a data nerd and I love kind of, you know, (laughs) pulling out the report at the end of the year and being like, oh, like, where did it all go? And I think it's just so interesting Mm. in terms of what it says about you. And, you know, I often talk to advisors who've told me that, you know, at this point in their career, they can really get to know a lot about a person just by tracking their finances. So, you know, I think the way that we spend money says a lot about our lives and who we are as people. And so it can be a really interesting story to read for yourself about yourself when you have that data in front of you. And then you can start to see, okay, well, how big is that gap between my behavior and what I'd like my life to actually look like? And what can I do to actually start to close that gap? And making sure what we're doing aligns with our values as well so we don't feel too much uh, stress and anxiety when it comes to the topic of money. Exactly. Was there any last tips you wanted to share before we wrap up today's episode? Well, I think the one thing that I encourage everyone to do for 2020 is just to get a little bit more open to the idea of self-educating around money and having more conversations about money with the people in your life. I think it's a topic that, you know, we often hide behind closed doors and we don't want to talk about and can be scary. Mm. But I think it's hard to learn about something you're not willing to talk about. So listening to podcasts like this is a really, really great step and sharing that and discussing that with friends and family and finding resources like this podcast can be really powerful in that journey. So Mm. open yourself up to finding more resources and talking to more people about money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if people want to find out a little bit more about you and Skilled Smart, where should they go? Yeah, so the website's probably the best place to check us out. So that's skilledsmart.com.au and you can sign up for the challenge there. That will be open all year round, the 1K 30 days challenge. So if you want to take it in your own time, um, you're more than welcome to sign up on the website uh, and you can find out all about the courses and what we do on the website. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money podcast. 
If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus, and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money Podcast.